Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and today, my goodness, it is Julio Jones trade day, everybody. I, unfortunately, was the mark when I said that we should not be marks and expect him to get traded. The Falcons have done what I thought was the unthinkable, traded arguably the, if not the, top two wide receiver of the past decade. So the return, second-round pick, a fourth-round pick. Titans are also getting the Falcons' sixth-round pick in 2023 as the fourth thing. So more or less, the Falcons are getting a second-round pick. The Titans are getting Julio freaking Jones. So we, you know, we've talked about this on previous podcasts where, again, all 32 teams in the league are better with Julio Jones than without. It's too bad the Falcons couldn't figure out a way to keep him because, hey, even if he's not the same guy that was averaging over three yards per out run and generally just taking over the damn league for the better part of the 2010s, we're still looking at anybody's idea of a true top five Worst case, top 10 wide receiver. Just last year, we had 84 wide receivers with at least 50 targets. Julio was 11th in PFF receiving grade, tied for 15th in yards per catch, 6th in wide receiver rating, and I think most importantly, 4th in yards per route run. This is one of my favorite metrics we have at PFF because, you know, it's just telling you, it's taking the largest sample we have, routes, and the most just indicative thing of future performance and I guess just being a good wide receiver, yards. And with that in mind, last year only Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson and Mr. A.J. Brown were more efficient than Jones on a per route basis. So even if Julio, again, isn't that same world beater we saw, you know, from 20 kind of 13 to 2016, 17 range, even 18. I mean, God, this guy has been so good for so long. Even if he's not quite that guy, we're still looking at one of the best wide receivers in the league. So with that said, I do have basically nine, 10, not nine or 10, I'll go at nine, uh, key fantasy football takeaways from this move. And the first one, which I've said even before this trade, Ryan Tannehill is the best late round QB available at the moment. Uh, if you've been listening to Fantasy Files podcast, I came into my Ryan Fitzpatrick article wanting to call him my favorite late round QB. Nope, it was always been Ryan Tannehill coming in as the QB. QB 16 over our underdog. He's been the QB 10 in fantasy points per game over the past two years. I believe he finished 2020 as the overall QB seven. He's got the rushing floor. He's got AJ Brown. Now he's got Julio freaking Jones. And what we got to remember people is that as much as the Titans want to be a running offense and they will be, Derrick Henry's going to get fed. Only the Raiders were in the Titans' same stratosphere. I believe they were actually tied for first in terms of largest ranking difference in points per game last year and points per game allowed. So, you know, similar to the Seahawks. The Titans can talk about wanting to run the ball all they want when you kind of look at who they're going to be having on the defensive side of the field. I just don't really think that, uh, you know, it's a situation where they're going to be all that happy. Um, about their chances of running the football. A lot of shootouts probably coming again to Tennessee. And with Tannehill, he's still in the QB1 conversation with me. I'm behind Joe Burrow, behind Tom Brady, ahead of Matthew Stafford, ahead of Matt Ryan, ahead of Baker Mayfield right there in my 2-3 with a mix of upside with a demonstrated floor. So Ryan Tannehill was already my favorite late-round quarterback. Probably going to lose that, uh, you know, positioning with him. I'd expect him to uh, kind of move up and kind of join that borderline wide receiver one tier that I was just talking about. Either way, Ryan Tannehill, nothing other than a massive winner from this trade. Uh, Derrick Henry remains locked in as a top five fantasy RB. I think it helps a little bit. You know, defenses obviously aren't going to be able to stack the box even as well as they could last year when Corey Davis was there. Only running backs I'd take ahead of Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, and Saquon Barkley at the moment. I know we want our running backs to catch passes. Derrick Henry has proved that he's a walking, talking exception to most things that we thought were possible with an NFL running back. Unfortunately, people, it pains me to say, it's still AJB, wide receiver one season, that's good, but the chances of it being the wide receiver one season, basically gone. And with Jones in the picture, 
no, we're not moving AJ Brown out of the wide receiver one conversation. He still like the amount of available targets in this offense is just insane. Only the Lions and Jaguars have more available targets compared to he was on the roster in 2020 compared to 2021. And when you look at it from that route, like Julio can still come in, get over 100 targets, and we can expect AJB to even see more opportunities than he had last year. The issue is we're just no longer seeing that, you know, borderline erotic you know 150 160 target ceiling so because of that i'm putting guys like tyree kill stefan diggs deandre hopkins michael thomas and keenan allen ahead of aj brown purely because of this potential volume issue aj brown i think is arguably better than each of those receivers and we're talking about some great guys so uh, if you want to disagree with me there that's fine but he's in the same level in terms of efficiency in terms of just on-field ability the problem is he's now no longer in that level when it comes to targets so for me i think it's a little more of like okay where do you want to put ajb among the likes of dk metcalf justin jefferson and calvin ridley who actually i think deserves to be ahead of ajb at the moment so we'll talk a little more about him later just realize AJB unfortunately we're back to treating him as the wide receiver one that could be the wide receiver one with a bit more consistent volume I think Julio stays steady as a borderline wide receiver one I'm not really adjusting him at the moment I had him as my wide receiver 14 ahead of Deontay Johnson ahead of Allen Robinson ahead of the Buccaneers and Rams wide receivers and just because of those available targets I think he's going to be fine no we're probably not going to see Julio flirting with 150 targets much more anytime soon he did turn 32 in February I just think this you know higher end wide receiver two spot is the perfect area for him I was already getting a bunch of him in best ball drafts because people are just a little bit out on him but my goodness people if you listen to our podcast you know from March where I was kind of having a different either beat reporter or just someone that's really invested in the team and we talked to a Charles McDonald longtime Falcons uh, just fan and diehard and basically he reached the same conclusion I did like Julio we need to see him falling off to really believe it and we have not seen anything resembling that in, re in recent years particularly 2020 so Tennessee again I think they have enough volume to enable two fantasy relevant wide receivers because it's largely what they did last year. Obviously, Julio is far better than Corey Davis. I've read this comparison off a few times, but people, it really is crazy how close they were uh, on the field last year. I mean, Julio had an 86.4 PFF grade. Davis was at 87.2. They each averaged 15.1 yards uh, per reception. Uh, Davis was at 4.4 yards after the catch. Julio was at 4.5. Uh, Julio 2.6 yards per route run Davis at 2.58. Now, obviously Davis was the one getting less attention with AJ Brown. On the other side, Julio was the one getting more attention because he's Julio freaking Jones. So no, Corey Davis is not similar to Julio Jones, but he had similar numbers to him last year. And I think just, again, putting Julio in this offense that already had just a role for him, just wide open is just so great. So again, Julio, to me, I'm not adjusting it from him being Atlanta, Tennessee. I think he arguably, arguably at this point in time, Tannehill, it might just be in the quarterback upgrade over Matt Ryan. And again, even though we might see a little bit less in terms of the overall target numbers, and that's why he's not the top five, top eight receiver that we're used to having him in there. I think he'll still have plenty of opportunities to continue to work as one of the better receivers in the league. Uh, I'm pretty much out on Anthony Ferkser other than in Titan stacks. The whole allure of him was the chance to be the Titans number two pass game catcher that is completely gone. So just not really trusting Ferkser. And we already had the concerns about him being this full-time tight end since he's only played more than 50% of the offensive snaps in two career games, I believe. So continue to draft Adam Troutman ahead of Anthony Ferkser. I'm basically inclined to let someone else draft Matt Ryan uh, at this point in time as well. I mean, last year, guys, 
it was awful when Julio was, was playing fewer than 50% of the offensive snaps. I mean, in those games, we had 238 pass yards, one touchdown, one INT, 285 yards, nothing, 226 yards, one pick, 232 yards, two picks, 185 yards, two touchdowns in a pick, 224 yards, touchdown, three picks. End of the year, fine, 350, 356 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, and then 300 yards, two touchdowns, 265 yards, two touchdowns. So we saw some okay games, but yeah, you take away Julio Jones from a quarterback, the quarterback's going to be worse. Not really that big of a stretch to take there. We see that with a lot of wide receiver ones throughout the league. Odell Beckham seems to be the only situation where we try to uh, reverse that kind of cause and effect scenario. So Matt Ryan without Julio, that's a massive downgrade. He was already an aging quarterback without any mobility. Look, Ridley, Pitts, they're going to be fine. Matt Ryan, he's someone I'm going to let other people draft in the year 2021. That takes us to Calvin Ridley. And right now I have him as wide receiver nine. I bumped him up from wide receiver 13. I guess I'm just like, do we really want to go all in top five? He deserves it. He was a top five receiver last year. It just, to me, felt awfully volume induced, but that's what we're chasing anyway, people. I say it all the time. So I'm trying to have this, you know, ranking conversation with myself and you, you all at the same time. Look, Devontae Adams, assuming Aaron Rodgers is still there, Tyree Kill, Stefan Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins. To me, those guys are definitively ahead of Ridley. He could really be a wide receiver five, though. I mean, Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen. I would put them ahead of him. So wide receiver seven. Ah, it's tough. I would say wide receiver five to nine, which is where I have him at the bottom of that is the appropriate range for Calvin Ridley. He hasn't missed in his career when he gets like even more than eight targets in a game. His stats last year without Julio were just fine. His stats last year with Julio were just fine. You know why? Because Ridley with or without Julio is a wide receiver one. It's legal in today's America to have more than wide, one wide receiver one on, on the same offense. Now the Titans are lucky enough to have that. And now Ridley is in a position where he won't have to fight for targets quite as closely with Julio. I would just say that, I mean, the one difference between him and some of those other guys I mentioned, we could see Kyle Pitts, who was just a fourth overall pick, function as more of a you know 1b receiver that i think maybe we're giving it credit for like i don't think ridley is just gonna dominate target share to the same amount of like Devonte adams or stefan diggs i think we'll see him you know have a ton of targets easily clear triple digits probably flirt with 150 uh just you know not totally convinced we see him have some crazy 30 percent target share or something like that with that said russell gage i think he's a perfectly fine guy to put in the wide receiver 40 range but again he's their number two wide receiver he's probably gonna be the number three pass game option at best behind Kyle Pitts. Russell Gage, low-key PFF's highest grade passer from 2020. Seriously, he threw a dart against the Chargers for a score and then hit Julio Jones in the face mask against the Cowboys. Gage, you know, whether you want to call him a system slot quarterback, just uh, benefiting from the same opportunity as Muhammad Sanu, whatever you want to call him, clearly a good football player. Now the Falcons number two wide receiver. I think a solid borderline wide receiver three in fantasy land. My final point, everybody continue to treat Kyle Pitts as the exception to the rule of not drafting rookie tight ends. I moved him up to 10 and five at this point. Give me Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, George Kittle, and TJ Hawkinson over Pitts. And that is it. He already spent 42% of his snaps in the slot or out wide last season. His head coach, Dan Mullen said he's an elite wide receiver and an elite tight end. Now he has more chances than ever to prove that at the NFL level. So I invite you all to check out this article. I just basically went 
went through over at pff.com not fancy football takeaways from the julio jones trade and thank you as always everybody for tuning in to pff fantasy football podcast we'll try to get these emergency ones you know going when it's right so if aaron Rodgers gets traded again or not again if aaron Rodgers gets traded in the future we'll be right back here so thank you as always for tuning in i'm ian hardison until next time take care everybody